Welcome to another episode of the Main Break podcast. You're with journalists Brian Allen and Sean Hardiman. And this week we have a very special guest to mark an incredibly special occasion. Uh, it's 20 years since the Sydney Olympics and we've got uh, athletics coach Phil Molesworth, uh, who is currently uh, a coach and on the committee of the Athletic Southwest Turbines Track and Field Club. And uh, Phil was actually at the Sydney Olympics to watch uh, uh, Kathy Freeman, who uh, was actually uh, the captain of the Ringwood Athletic Club, which uh, Phil was the, the women's team manager. So uh, it's a very warm welcome to you, Phil, and, and we can't wait to reflect on, on the, the Olympics with you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So let's, let's just jump straight into it. You, you went to the Sydney Olympics. You saw... Uh, Kathy's uh, progress and then the, the winning final. Um, can you take us back 20 years ago? Back 20 years? Oh, there was a lot of memories back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess watching the... I was a little bit concerned uh, when Kathy ran the, uh, the, the semi-final. She didn't get... Um, one of the two primary lanes, which is lanes three and four, in the middle of the track. She ended up out on an outside lane, which is a bit of an issue. Um, but uh, and, and, of course, I followed the by-play um, going on behind the scenes with the pressure that um, the, the French girl was trying to put on Cathy at the time, Parekh. Um, Parekh had a habit of trying to... Uh, uh, convinced Cathy she wasn't good enough. She mm. would work on her mentally before the race. And uh, in Sydney, it didn't work. Cathy was too good for her. Mm. And Parekh jumped on an aeroplane and left the country and never ran. Wow. And how, how is it that you try, like, try and get in um, a fellow runner's head? Is it little little chats in before the race or is it through the media? Uh, or what oh, do you mean? no, it's everywhere. Um, I'm... I'm I'm working on a new paper that I'll be presenting through the uh, club. I'm doing a number of papers which uh, through there on the different aspects, and one of them is the mental approach. Um, and in that, yes, um, you psych out your opposition. Um, you try to convince them that you're too good for them. Um, and sometimes they fall for it. Mm. Uh, and uh, But if they're, if they're good enough... Um, they will overcome your your, uh, your challenges. Um, I had a young athlete that one day walked up to me and uh, he was a B-grade runner, um, not up the top, and he said, that guy over there, and he pointed out a guy, and he said, every time I run, I'm trying to beat him, and he beats me. If I lead, he gets past me. If I try to run behind him, he gets away from me. Mm. I can't beat him. I said, okay, well, today we'll give you a challenge. Why don't you um, follow behind him until about two laps out? And it's a 5,000-metre race. And I said, when you get to the two laps out, run up behind, beside him up the back straight and turn and look at his face and mm. wait for him to look at you. And when he looks back at you, sprint mm. and run away from him. So he said, okay. So he went out and did it. And guess what? He beat the guy by about 50 metres. <laughs> he conned him out of the race. Wow. 
Yeah. But just that smile in his face was enough to tell him, I've got you. Today's yeah. my day. Mm. Um, and that's what, that's what distance runners do. Um, people watch distance events, and even the 400, um, in Kathy's case, they watch these events, and the athletes, their posture, the way they speak to each other before the event, their attitude, and everything else has all got something to do with the race itself. Um, and in Kathy's case, um, Peter Fortune spent a lot of time sitting with Kathy immediately before the race, going over the race plan, almost step by step, telling her what she was to do. Now, she probably didn't do one element of what Peter set up, and that was he had told her to get away quick, get her rhythm going, and then coming around the top bend, Increase your pace a little bit, and then into the straight, give it all you got. Mm. Well, Kathy didn't increase her pace a little bit, so what happened? She came out of the straight, into the straight, running third. Mm. Had she just given it that little bit extra, she probably would have come out level with the others, mm. and uh, that would have made the run down the straight a little bit easier. <laughs> Kathy, at the end of the race, yeah, <laughs> said, yeah, I won the gold medal, but I ran half a second slower than I expected. That was where the half a second disappeared. Right. Okay. On that bend. Yeah. Um, I want to bring Sean in here because um, Sean's actually written uh, a couple of articles this week about Olympians from our uh, southwest Victoria region, but I'm sure he's keen to ask a bit about Cathy. Um, yeah, so go for it, Sean. Yeah, on that last point about how um, she was disappointed, I, I sort of heard a few other different podcasts that she... She was um, disappointed towards the end. But in terms of um, your own opinion, um, how do you sort of um, coach people to make sure that they're not disappointed by um, these sorts of things and still um, able to sort of uh, embrace the moment that Cathy had? Well, she did embrace the moment. It's just the clock disappointed her um, in that she thought she would run faster. Um, but... It wasn't that much of a depression, right? She was elated. Um, in that particular race, she floated around the track. She was on, she was on a cloud. Mm. And it was a day when no one was going to beat her. Um, mm. Apart from having 100,000 people screaming at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that sort of helps a lot. Um, but that was her day and everything was in her favour. And I think Parekh realised that, that there was no way that she's going to beat Cathy on this track in this country on that day. Um, it was going to be Cathy's day. Did you feel an energy around the games sort of building up? Obviously, there was all that attention around Cathy, and it was, so it's been well publicised that she was under a lot of pressure, but did you feel there was an energy sort of uplifting um, in the moments before the race and, and, and the days before? Um, look, the, I haven't spoken to Peter since then, um, so I, I, I'm not sure. But I am sure that Peter, uh, Fortune that is, was working extremely hard during the days before and building up to that to make sure she was protected in every way, shape and form, that nothing got to her. Um, and that was to just keep her mind firmly on the goal. And the gold was a gold medal. Mm. Um, so, yes, Peter, Peter would have spent... And, and I've 
and I do it also, you spend hours working with the athlete um, and, and making sure they're in the right mental frame of mind to take on that particular day. It doesn't take much to go wrong and they don't have to lose very much and, and all of a sudden they're not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, I had a, I guess I go back to a, a male athlete I had that reached the top 10 ever on the Australian 10,000 metre list. Uh, he had, uh, you've probably heard of the box hill runners, um, uh, Graham Crouch, who was unbeaten over 5,000 metres in Australia. Ringwood was against Box Hill. Crouch was running for Box Hill. My guy was running for Ringwood. I spent three hours with him before the race, sitting there working on the race plan. On the day, he followed that plan exactly. The entire track stopped. No other events were being held, and I just watched this race between these two guys. Mm. Now... Crouch lifted the pace. He ran a four-minute mile pace for the second last lap of the 5,000 metres and ran 60 seconds. He then continued for 90 seconds for the 600 metres and Andre exploded and ran a 26-second 400. Ran a 156, 800 metres to finish 5,000 and won the race. Well, all hell broke loose. Newspapers were all over me. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Um, Andre was out there to win that day. And he followed the plan exactly. Mm. And coaches do that. In the background, that's what the coach is doing. Um, Phil, uh, probably one thing we haven't explained explicitly here is um, how you actually were involved with Cathy. You were uh, the team manager at Ringwood Athletic Club and Cathy was the captain of that team. Um, can you give us uh, the idea of when, whenabouts that was and um, how often you would communicate with Cathy? Ah, yes, I can. Um, Kathy went to New Zealand to the Commonwealth Games. Um, after the Commonwealth Games there, she moved from Queensland to Victoria. When she came down to Victoria, I managed to be lucky enough to recruit her into the Ringwood Club. And because of her position, I immediately made her captain of the team the next year. Um, as captain of the team, I would call on her once a week at Olympic Park because um, she didn't train at Ringwood. She trained at Olympic Park in Melbourne. I was mm. working in Melbourne, so I would mm. call in there and we would have a chat and I'd talk with Peter Fortune, Nick Badeau, her manager, and I would talk with Cathy and we would discuss the team and what we're doing on the Thursday and, and so on. So that was usually on a Tuesday. I'd call in and see her and then I'd see her again um, on, on competition days. She didn't run every week. Mm-hmm. Um, she ran to a, a program, so therefore um, every 4 by 4 day she ran. She always anchored our team in the 4 by 400 metres mm. um, and she ran some other events to qualify for finals and so on, then would compete for us in the finals. Yeah. So I, I saw a fair bit of her, um, sometimes not at the track. Sometimes I called into her home in um, Richmond and uh, we sat and had a coffee and chatted. Um, but, yeah, it was just a, uh, fairly, a fairly friendly environment, social event, um, and we chatted about what was going on and what we were doing and, and uh, how the team was going and so on. She had a, she had a real interest in it um, mm. and, and followed the, 
the team very closely. And she took pride in being the captain. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and being the person that uh, was up front when someone wanted to talk about the team. So, and she, she was captaining the team through a period when we won two premierships we, in state league. Yeah. We lost one by one point and then won the next two. Mm. Right? Um, and Kathy was there right through that period. It was a, the team dominated athletics in Victoria during that period of time while Kathy was there. She wasn't the only one. We had a, a full team and we had people like Lauren Hewitt running the, the sprints for us as well. Yeah. Um, another Olympian and Andrea Hughes, the Olympic high jumper, was competing for us and, <laughs> and so on. So it, it was a nucleus of some top athletes as well as we had each year we'd have two or three Sri Lankan champions would come and compete for us. Mm. And that's where we had Suzantika Jaya Singh, who won the silver medal in Sydney in the 200 metres. Um, she was one of the athletes that we had in the team. Triani yeah. um, Kulawacha, who carried the flag for Sri Lanka, was another one of our athletes that competed for the club. So yeah. we did pretty well. What a and, club. And, and, and Kathy knew them all. Yeah. Look, um, Phil, obviously we've touched on the Sydney Olympics there. And just quickly, where did, where did you sit in the stadium uh, that, that uh, night you watched uh, look, Kathy win? When you buy a series thing, you get a different seat every day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> um, on that particular day, um, I was right on the aisle in the front row at the, end, at the start of the 100 metre straight. Right. So as Kathy came into the into the last hundred to go, she was right in front of me. Wow, what a right. seat! So, and so that was my my seat for that day. Other days, I was down the straight somewhere. Um, I usually had somewhere along the the front straight or on the top bend. Yeah, um, I, I guess I want to swing now to um, your involvement in the southwest. Uh, so, as I mentioned earlier, you're a coach and on the committee of the Athletic Southwest Turbines, and I think you've expressed interest to help the Warrnambool Tri Club and Athletics Club as well, and I guess anyone interested. Um, you, uh, you're still in Rainbow, which is north of us, um, and hoping yep. to move to Warrnambool as um, you know a, a new uh, you know destination for you. And I understand your daughter lives down here. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, she, she's in, in Warrnambool. Yeah, so... Uh, um, and loving it. <laughs> she, yeah. she moved there a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm now in a position where it's time for me to shift. Yeah. And that's why I approached Jeremy at the time and asked mm. if he was interested in some coaching. Um, I don't know if anyone's told you about my coaching levels, but mm. I'm, uh, I'm actually what they call a... a a level four IAAF uh-huh. coach. Yeah. Um, levels one through three are the Australian coaching associ- uh, coaches. That's the Australian standards. Yes. And then above the level three is level four, which is international standard. Wow. I'm a level four um, hmm. accredited coach. So um, I, I asked if he was interested. He said, oh, yes, yes. And he organised some days where I spent time looking at, at, at different athletes running and corrected their posture and their running technique. Mm. Worked on um, on that element of just on, on 
because it's only a short period of time. So I just worked on the element of are you standing correctly? Is your head in the right position? Are you swinging your arms correctly? Are your legs moving mm. right? Does the foot placement land where it should? Yeah. Um, all those elements of, of the posture of the, the athlete. Um, mm. So I worked on that for a week um, with different groups. Mm. And, of and, course, when you said Jeremy, you're referring to Jeremy Dixon, the president of Jeremy, the, 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 the turbines and the, and the coach there as well. Finally, I just wanted to ask about, um, I know I did an article with uh, a young athlete, Emily Morden. She's interested yep. in steeplechase and I'm sure, and she said she was learning off you and she's uh, given you your extensive... I'm actually coaching her. Yeah, yeah, giving you coaching credentials. She's just thrilled um, that she's got that opportunity. So... Um, yeah, can you tell us, um, you know, how many athletes have you currently got on your, under your wing and, and how are you doing the remote training for them? Now, that's, you, are, you ask any coach at a club what that is, um, there's different ones. Under ones that I've been helping, about yeah. six. Yeah. Ones that I would say I'm coaching, two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, there is a difference between them in that, you, you help out different ones at, at times. And like um, when Jeremy has a club day, mm-hmm. if I'm there at the club day, it's whoever turns up. Yeah. Um, and they can all contact me. I'm available on the phone mm-hmm. uh, or by email. Um, they can call me and tell me what their issues are and I can talk to them mm-hmm. uh, and talk them through those things and talk them through their training programs. Um, in Emily's case and in another one, Joshua Bale, he's another wonderful boy. Yeah. Um, I'm actually uh, on the sort of day-to-day with them. Like, they, they report to me with their diary each week. Yeah. Um, I go through that diary. I pick things out. I then talk to them about um, what to do next and how to improve and so on. And when I'm in town, um, I get one-on-one with them to just uh, sort out any issues that might be around. Mm. Um, and, and yes, uh, I'm very pleased with Emily and Joshua. They're, uh, they're, they're, I think they're going to go places. Wow. They're dedicated to it and uh, they'll do okay. Fantastic. Um, Sean, did you want to add anything else, Wayne? Yeah, I was just going to ask um, your initial thoughts on um, athletics down the region now. It's slowly starting to build. Do you feel there's a, a promising future uh, for what athletics holds down in the southwest? I, well, take you back through a little bit of my history. I went to the, uh, I was a Preston athlete myself, but I moved to Croydon to work and I, um, to live, and I trained a group of Croydon boys who, 10 of them put their heads together and they got, and they broke the Australian 24-hour relay record. Mm. I then moved to Ringwood, and we developed the strongest men's distance squad in the in the country at Ringwood. And uh, they they could be beaten as an individual, but not as a team. They were a strong team. I had a look at Warnable, and you've got amazing talent there. As a matter of fact, I've written a note in front of me here. <laughs> Warnable has a lot of talent. And like Ballarat has been, uh, has been in the past, could become a power in distance running. Um, and I honestly believe that. The, the talent is in the town or in the district. And uh, Warrnambool, I think, 
has got a good future with the right um, mentoring and the right coaching. There's a lot of good athletes around. Well, yeah, that's very reassuring to hear and um, really positive, especially with the introduction of the, the turbines only last summer. So, um, Phil, thank, um, you, thank you so much. I've got to say, Jeremy is doing yep. an amazing job there. Yeah, yeah, he does a power of work. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Phil, thank you so much um, for chatting to us and reflecting on the, the Sydney Olympics and also your current work with um, Southwest Athletes. Um, and we really appreciate you joining the main break this week.